Thank you for joining us here at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois for our Sunday, November 28th, First Advent Sunday service. Our church has an angel tree on our website at firstpresjax.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G where you can choose a child to buy a gift for. If you're uncomfortable with choosing one that way, you can call our secretary at 217-245-4189. That's 217-245-4189. Or visit firstpresjax.org and locate the Angel Tree link. Reverend Warren has titled his sermon today, Advent in Plain Sight, Gates. Our liturgist for today is Bob Chipman, and the first scripture reading comes to us from Genesis 28, 1 through 5, and 10 through 22. The gospel reading comes to us from Matthew 24, 29 through 35. The chancel choir performs Creator of the Stars of Night for the special music offering. Lighting of the first Advent candle, which is Hope, is done by the Ott family, and they will also be reading the corresponding scripture. God bless. We pray that you have a joyful, peaceful week. Today we light the candle of hope. The people of Israel hoped in God's promises and were not disappointed. Again and again, God delivered Israel. We too have the same experience of salvation. That is why we believe in God's promise to send Jesus to us once again and establish his kingdom forever. Hope is like a light shining in a dark place. As we look at the light of this candle, we celebrate the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Thank you, God, for the hope you give. As we wait for Christ to come again, we pray that you will be present with us. Help us today and every day to worship you, to hear your word, and to do your will by sharing your hope with each other. We ask this in the name of the one who was born in Bethlehem. Amen. scripture reading is from Genesis 28, verses 1 through 5, 
and then verses 10 through 22. Let us listen to the word of God. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him, You shall not marry one of the Canaanite women. Go at once to Patam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take his wife from there, one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and numerous, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give to you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien, land that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Moran to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread about to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am, you, that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! There is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set up for it a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. When Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel lesson comes to us from Matthew chapter 24, beginning with the 29th verse. Let us listen to the word of God. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My first encounter with Advent as a child was those chocolate Advent calendars. Whoever invented those things was a genius. Every day I'd search for the number, I'd open it, and eat a small piece of chocolate. It's probably the strongest Advent memory I have. The next memory I have about Advent is lighting the Advent wreath candles. Just like here, it was what we did every year at church. We talk about hope and peace, joy and love, and about waiting or sing about coming, come, come. Because that is what Advent means, right? It is a season where we wait and anticipate for the coming of Christ. Now, in both the chocolate calendars and the Advent wreath calendars, the culmination comes on December 24th. I'm pretty sure I found the number 24 on the Advent calendar before any other number because it is the largest window and hides the biggest piece of chocolate. And I couldn't wait to open it. 24 days of waiting. Similarly, at church, we light a new candle each week. And then on Christmas Eve, we light the middle and biggest candle. And then from that, the light of Christ to shine in all of our candles on Christmas Eve. These special traditions at home and at church remind us and prepare us for the big day to come, the one day we're waiting for, Christmas. This year, I'm using Jill Duffield's devotional, Advent in Plain Sight, to help me as I prepare my sermons through Advent and Christmas. I have three copies of this. I didn't know if everybody would be flocking to get one of these. Uh, but I do have a few here on the table if you'd like one. In the devotion sharing today's gospel text, she shares about a time when she was part of a diverse, eclectic, and open-minded group. I, th I think she was in college or uh, getting ready for seminary. And an Episcopal priest asked their thoughts about Advent. You know, imagine, what are your thoughts about Advent? 
for me, it was chocolates and, and candle, candles, right? But for her and their group, it was theological-sounding items like the Incarnation and Emmanuel, the coming of Jesus to earth, God with us, breaking the barriers between heaven and earth. And after a while, after they were talking all about Advent, the exasperated priest says, no one ever thinks of the second coming. But imagine most folks here also feel that way about Advent because of the event that's to come, Christmas, we skip right over that preparation, not just the baby Jesus, but also for the second coming of Christ. Come, come, we heard singing, for Christ to come. Jill Duffield says, there are texts like this one from Matthew about Christ's return, the sun and moon going dark, and the need to make ready not only for sweet baby Jesus, but for the justice bringing sheep and goat sorting, risen and returning Christ. Now, the latter is a tougher sell in the season of twinkling lights, and here comes Santa Claus. But all the more important, then, that disciples prepare not only for the birth of Jesus, but for Christ's return. I don't know what it is, but she's right. It's easy to preach about waiting for that sweet baby Jesus to be born. It's a lot harder for us to hear the advent of Christ's second coming, but that's the beauty of Advent. It's so much more complex. The truth is we desperately need the justice-bringing sheep and goat sorting, risen and returning Christ to break through all the crud that we're facing. I know it's been a rough 20 months, and some parts of us are still pretty raw. Remember last year, many of us stayed home for Thanksgiving. But this week, 20 months later, many of us finally got to enjoy Thanksgiving with extended family. Enjoying it with extended family, it, it brings both joy and uh, stress, like many years before. Mostly we like each other, well, at least in our family, right? But this pandemic has not only ripped through the health barriers, but this virus has found ways to push families apart at times. I'm pretty sure when my wife saw me talking to my brother and interjected about, how about those bears? Right when she heard us talking about politics or the vaccine, she was cleverly trying to change the subject. Those are things we like to talk about, right? <laughs> but those things are very volatile right now. And we can see it tearing apart families. The truth is, sometimes we don't know what to do with apocalyptic texts like this. We usually don't understand the talk of cosmic and earthly upheal in which it says, and we wonder how it points to the good news. So when it comes up, we want to gloss over it, we want to skip over it. We'd much rather focus on baby Jesus. Yet as we enter the season of Advent, when things are broken all around us, when we see families in our town and our country divided, we, see more, we need more than just the baby Jesus to help us. Emmanuel, God with us, is powerful. 
but it hasn't yet fixed the messes we still make. Gates are the object that Reverend Jill Duffield focuses on in her devotions this week. I want you to listen again to what it says in today's scripture reading. As soon as the fig tree's branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Jesus has promised he will return to repair the mess surrounding us, not only of a pandemic, but all the messy parts of our life, like division and discord, pain and cancer, shame and regret. And every advent, when we remember and prepare for his second coming, we're able to wonder about texts like this that make us go deeper. Reverend Duffield asked this question of us. What would it mean for our daily living, the choices we make, the lens through which we see the world, if we considered the fig tree and wondered if, in fact, Jesus Christ is as near as the gates through which we pass daily? What about our front door? That's a gate. City limits of our town, there's another one. The border of our country, still another barrier. What if the risen Christ returned and showed up at one of the many barriers we erect to keep those we consider inside, to consider insiders safe and those we consider outsiders at bay? It's true, we have a tendency of creating barriers. The pandemic is an easy way for us to see how this happens. No matter what side of the fence we're on, we push those who we don't agree with to the side. And somehow it doesn't matter if they're friends or family or part of the church, even if we've known them for years. The moment our safety, our opinion gets tested, we might put up a barrier, a gate. But what if we saw, as Reverend Duffield says, that Christ is at those barriers, at the very gate? Then it all becomes much different. Outsiders are no longer other. They may be instead one with Christ. So this is our challenge as we begin this Advent season, to acknowledge the advent of Christ, not just as a baby, but as one who is coming. And every barrier or gate we've erected has to recognize that Christ is near at the very gates. Reverend Duffield says, such awareness ought not engender fear, but certainly should cause us to pause at every gate that we cross and ask ourselves what it would mean to meet the risen Christ there and do an audit of our discipleship with him. So the very divisions we've created instead become intersections for Christ to enter. The gates and barriers become opportunities for ministry, for hope and peace, for love and joy. So as we enter December, as decorations go up around our neighborhood and in our houses, 
as shopping season begins, as our culture readies us for Christmas, Reverend Duffield reminds us who mark this season of Advent to consider them a fig tree-like sign, reminding us to be on watch for the return of the one who says we will be judged based on how we treat the hungry, the prisoner, the poor, the most vulnerable among us, those we often ignore at our very gates, the very gates where Christ is right now present. If we are willing to see him there. So as we light these candles, as we eat our chocolates, as we enter this Advent season, we're called to open our eyes to see Jesus. He is near and at the very gates. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The congregation and visitors can now enter through the east or north doors. Our in-person service starts at 10 a.m. We do, however, ask that you keep your mask on while moving about in the building. In the sanctuary, there are two sections, one for vaccinated and one for unvaccinated individuals. The ushers will guide you to the section of your choice. Those in the vaccinated section can now sing without a mask. Join us at www.facebook.com slash slash and join our Monday First Pres Jacks community group which meets at 7 p.m. every Monday. This is a question, answer, and sharing group with the pastor. This is a private room and you will be asked a few questions before entering to make sure you are a human and not a robot. Presbyterians with a Purpose is another program available at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville for individuals needing to contact someone during these challenging times of the pandemic. You can visit that link. Just visit our homepage and find the link for Presbyterians with a Purpose. We also offer a Sunday live service starting at 9.55 a.m. You can visit www.firstpresjax.org slash donate and make your contribution there. Or send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You also can contribute through your bank using bill pay. If an account number is needed, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's office at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G. 